Um, let's prepare our minds, let's prepare our hearts, but also our bodies for this gathering. Um, I would encourage you to take a deep breath if you'd like, to plant your feet, to sit up once again, engaging with the Spirit of God, beginning our weeks in this way is no small thing. So let's pray together. Love divine, in raising Christ to new life, you opened the path of salvation to all peoples. So send us out with the joy of Mary Magdalene to proclaim that we have seen the Lord so that all the world may celebrate with you the banquet of your peace. Amen. Amen. I'll go ahead and read from Isaiah 12. Reachway kids, make your way on up as I'm reading this so you all can get ready. Um, Isaiah chapter 12, starting at verse 2. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day, you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. And proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Sing aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel among you and among us, right? So let's do exactly that. Let's sing praises of joy, and our kids are going to help us. So I'm going to get out of the way. Um, you all are encouraged, if you'd like, to stand and clap and jump around. And um, I'd say act like a kid again, but hey, we all act like kids all the time, don't we? Um, so let's go ahead and uh, be led in worship by our kids. So let's do it. Uh, Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. The Six. resurrection. Yes, sir. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Solomon bought spices. So just after sunrise, the... They were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll this stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the large stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But 
But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the woman went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Thank you. Thanks. Amen. That's a good story to hear, isn't it? Oh, man. There might be nothing better than hearing about the resurrection from the voice of children. I don't know if there's anything better. So thank you, Reachway Kids. Thank you, Pastor Cassie, for leading them so well um, and, and leading us in worship this morning also. Um, hey, I want to I share just a couple of thoughts. And this has been a weird Easter. <laughs> and because of the last year that we've had. Uh, that, that, that's kind of what I mean by that. Um, but I do want to share a couple of thoughts. Um, and the first thought is death stinks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and when I say that, I mean we dread it. And we plan for it. And it's solemn when we do. And we try to avoid it, avoid it sometimes. And off, almost every time we mourn it. Death stinks. Our, our bodies die when our hearts stop beating. But I think we can also experience death even when our hearts are still beating. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we're, our hearts are beating, we're alive. But I think we have those times all the time where even for a moment or maybe for longer than a single moment, we're losing hope. We experience paralyzing confusion. Just what do I do now? I can't even move. I can't even talk. I don't know what to think. I'm so confused. Um, it, when we wrong others, when we wrong ourselves, when we wrong our neighbors, we experience death. And death stinks. For a really, really long time, I mean a really long time, Death was used also as a tool of oppression. And it was used as a system of punishment carried out by governments and individuals alike. On Good Friday, a few days ago, Jesus Christ, we need to remember, was not the first person who was crucified. And Jesus was not the last person who would be crucified either. Crucifixion, which is death by execution of the state, was the punishment of all punishments. And it was for a long, long time. That was the epitome of you've done that much wrong and we're going to punish you in that sort of way. And death was used as a tool of oppression and, and a punishment kind of since the first family. You know, we see Adam and Eve in the garden, page one, um, in a way, experiencing death by receiving knowledge, right? Knowledge of good and evil, and evil comes into the world, it comes into the human, and, and they experience this death. They experience this, oh my goodness, we have to hide now, right? We, 
We, we know all of these things. We need to get out of here. God can't see us now. And it doesn't even take another generation before we have the Cain and Abel uh, sibling dispute where there's an actual murder that takes place. And um, this would be like page three, page four stuff where, where we get this idea of, no, we are, in fact, our brother's keeper. We are, in fact, supposed to be looking out for one another, although that was not the case with Cain and Abel. So this has been a problem, and, and for history, it was the status quo. Sin killed people, people killed people. There's this utter sense of forsakenness from God when we're experiencing death of all kinds, all the kinds we've talked about in so many other ways. It's this idea that, well, man, it would seem as though in this exact moment, God has, in fact, turned God's back on me because there's no way that I could be receiving attention from this God. And this is the story up until Jesus was laid in a tomb. All of that was true. Tools, oppression, punishment, death, tomb, status quo is being carried out even up until the moments that were read just a few moments ago. On the first Easter Sunday morning, we have, we just read about faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. Faithful enough to be there and not run. You know what I'm saying? Faithful enough. Mary Magdalene, Mary mother of Jesus and Salome. They were ready to care for the dead body of Jesus. They were ready to do what was always done when death happened. They were going to anoint the body. They were going to care for the body. Status quo was being carried out. And I love the question that they ask in verse 3. Mark chapter 16, verse 3. Who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance to the tomb? As if they're asking the question, who is going to move this hurdle so that we can continue to deal with death like we always have? Who's going to do it for us? As if a human needed to do it. But in the moment that the person dressed in white said, he is risen, everything changes. Death is no longer final. Death is no longer the end. Death is no longer where stories end. We still experience death. We do. But it doesn't win anymore. <laughs> it's not the end anymore. And the same would be true of what I mentioned earlier. Governments and individuals are still using death as tools of oppression and punishment. They still are. But, and I can't stress this enough, but thank God... <laughs> that the final word of life is not spoken by governments or individuals, right? I mean, the final word of life doesn't belong to them anymore. The final word of life does not belong to a government that would choose to kill someone for doing something. The final word of life is not assigned to someone who would take it upon themselves to end the life of another human being. Thank God, right? They, they don't get the final word anymore, because of the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. Everything changes. And everything changes right now. In the season of Lent, which were the weeks leading us to today, we were following Jesus to the cross. This morning, I want you to know that the following doesn't stop at the cross. The cross is not the final destination. All of human history doesn't culminate at the cross. It is going to culminate when Jesus comes back again. So in Lent, we follow Jesus to the cross. This morning, we now follow Jesus out of the tomb of death. We are still following Jesus, and it's with death in the rearview mirror no longer being what we're afraid of no longer being what we use to punish and to threaten and to destroy. But we now follow Jesus out of the tomb of death and into resurrected life. Everything changes and everything changes now. I hope that some part of the Easter story is compelling to you. And you're here, so I think it's true. And I want to say that if you are compelled enough to believe two things, if you are compelled enough to believe that salvation is offered to all, and if you are compelled enough to believe that everyone is in need of salvation, then I want you to know that what this world needs is people living as though the resurrection really did happen. Yeah. Yeah. If you've ever said what I've said, but I didn't think of it, I learned it from whoever and wherever, whenever. You ever, y'all need Jesus. You ever heard that? You ever say that? I have. I've, I've read a headline or two and go, they need Jesus, don't they? Okay, I think what they need even more is Seth acting as though Jesus rose from the, gra the grave. <laughs> so I ask the question for us to consider today, for us to consider every single second of our lives as resurrected people who are now following Jesus out of the tomb of death and into the resurrected life, what do I do in my every day that says Jesus rose from the dead? If everything is supposed to change as a result of this, this event, then how does my life reflect that? Is the way that I talk reflective of the fact that everything changes now? Is the way that I decide things reflective of the, the reality that everything has changed is how I think about others and how I treat others and how I view others from across a screen or from across the street or from across the world is how I view others being transformed because Jesus is alive and death is no longer the final word and, and, and God is reconciling the world back to God's self and that salvation is now offered to all. So, 
So because of the cross and because of the empty tomb, God is now in charge through Jesus. And learning what it means to act as if though that is true is the task for the one who wants to live as a resurrected person, resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit, made new and transformed by the Holy Spirit, is learning what it means to behave and believe as though God is in charge and that God is the only one in charge. And if that is true, then we would become obsessed with the person we call Jesus Christ as we are able to read about him in the scriptures. We would then become obsessed with wanting to emulate as much as we possibly could everything that Jesus did or would do or say or would have said. Because that's what it means for God to be in charge. Now, I don't want an Easter Sunday to go by without talking about how your sins have been cleansed. The stain of sin has been washed. And the only other thing that I want to say is don't let that go to waste. (laughs) Don't keep that just for you. Let's figure out ways to give it away. Let's figure out ways to witness that this actually is true. 